0: Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UJ podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And today on the show, we're going to have some fun. What we're going to do is we're going to explore just how good this 2019 Georgia football team can be you know in the offseason hopes always springs eternal for really just about every team out there in America that's the beauty that's the beauty of college sports is you know once the season's over we kind of you, you kind of deal with uh, at least for everything with the national title you kind of deal with the depression of not winning the national title but then that hope slowly but surely starts to kind of spring up again, and by the time we the summer months, everyone's feeling pretty good, and then pretty quickly we're all disabused in that notion, at least a lot of teams are. But uh, I include our fan base in that assessment because from what I've been able to gather through the offseason, the majority of our fan base expects us to be better in 2019 than what we were in 2018. But the question here, and what we're going to kind of explore today, is are those expectations fair? With all the losses from last year to the draft, to the transfer portal, all that stuff— should we really expect to be better in 2019 than we were last year? I think that is an interesting and a worthwhile offseason question. So today, we're going to do our best to answer that question with a position-by-position look at our 2019 team, at least our projection of what the 2019 team is going to be, versus what we had in 2018. So obviously, again, this does involve quite a bit of projection forward to 2019, but that's kind of what makes this task fun. So, we should have a good time with this today, but before we get started, I do want to quickly remind everyone out there that if you are not subscribed to our premium content on Podbean, give it a shot today. You're going to get access to every show that we produce, you get access to all of our content, whether it's the football stuff we produce each and every week, baseball, tennis, basketball, whatever it is, we've got you covered on everything that relates to Georgia Athletics. So if you're interested and want to give it a shot, it's only $2 a month. Again, you get access to all of our content, all the premium stuff on Podbean, not just the free stuff we post on SoundCloud, but the premium stuff as well. It's a real quick, easy, simple process. You don't have to create an account or anything like that. You just basically type in your information. It creates the account for you. does all that. and It's like a one and a half minute process maybe. So if you want to do that, you can just go to our Twitter prof- profile at glory underscore You can click on our profile link there will take you straight to our Podbeam page. There will be a little yellow Buy Now button if you're on a PC. Click on that, and before you know it, boom, you are set and good to go, and you have access to all of our stuff that we're going to have for you guys that's going to be previewing this 2019 season throughout the summer months. We're getting ready to start our, our very uh, popular annual Summer Scouting the Enemy series where we... Take a, a game by game look at each one of our opponents. We're going to start with Vanderbilt here in a couple of weeks. I think about two or three weeks. We'll start rolling that out. We kind of try to time it up at the start of the season. So we're uh, going to be doing that stuff in just a few weeks here. So if you want access to everything, go ahead today. Subscribe to it, uh, to our premium content on Podbean for only two dollars a month. But uh, all right, with that out of the way, let's get into this analysis, Kurt, and and let's start with the quarterback position. This is the one everybody likes to talk about. Uh, especially when we're losing a, 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 at least a high-profile recruit like Justin Fields. So obviously we do return our starting quarterback, who is entering his junior season, and Jake Fromm. But as I just said, we also lose a highly rated. I, don't, I mean, Kurt, would you call Justin Fields highly talented based on what you saw last year?
0: Um, Talented, yes, but, I mean, talent isn't everything.
1: I mean, I, I, certainly highly athletic, I mean, athletically talented, right? Yeah. Uh, It remains to be seen uh, – as in regards to can he do what quarterbacks have to do at the college level. And I still believe that he can do that. And I think, that, honestly, the fit of Ohio State is a really good fit for him. They'll simplify, uh, simplify a lot of things for him, a lot of RPO, one-read type stuff, which is really where he is right now as a quarterback, at least that's where he was last year. I'm sure he's grown a little bit. But, yeah, highly talented, highly rated quarterback in Justin Fields. We lose him. We all know that he's moved on to Ohio State. So it's kind of strange here. On one hand, like you expect Jay Fromm to be better as he enters his third year as a starter. But then on the other hand, are we better without Justin Fields on the roster? So it's, it's a tough question here at quarterback. So, Kurt, what do you think on this one? Will we be better, worse, or about the same at quarterback in 2019?
0: Um, I think we'll be about the same, honestly. I mean, you expect Jay probably to take a step forward. I think Stetson Bennett kind of fits our system better. I think he's more... Uh... A uh, system-oriented guy that can come in there and just at, do what we ask him to do. Um, I think he's a little bit more comfortable in the pocket than what Justin has shown last year. Uh, more or less, Justin was you know one reader, he was getting run type guy, So I mean, you weren't getting anything special in that situation out of him compared from if you are going off his freshman year last year.
1: I, I think that's fair, and I, and I want to make clear clear to everyone out there: you're not saying that Stetson Bennett is the talent that Justin Fields is, right? No, not at all. Right. And we all know that. I mean, no one in their right mind is going to sit here and say that. But I, I do think it's very fair to say what you just said a second ago, and that while he's certainly not clear, he's clearly not as talented as Justin Fields. No one's arguing that. But I, I, I think I agree with you that he is a better fit for what we want to do with our offense. Or at least I would say he's more equipped to come in and do the things that we need our quarterbacks to do on a down and down on basis. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, and it, clearly he's not the athlete. He's not going to be able to go make the wow plays that uh, that Justin Fields is able to make. Although Stetson Bennett is an underrated athlete, guys. By the way, I mean he's not Justin Fields, certainly not. But he, the guy can he can make a few plays with his legs. Uh, he's a gunslinger back there. Uh, again, I'm not trying to say that he is as talented or as as, as athletic as Justin Fields. He's certainly not, but can he come in and give us a lift off the bench if necessary? Like, let's say if, if Jake Fromm happens to go down, can he come in and win again? Doug, like, do you think he can come in and actually win a football game for us?
0: Um, I think we'll be competitive. I mean, you've the team has r- raved about him since he was a freshman.
1: Yeah, I, they have. And I, I think the, question, the, the answer to that question is it depends on the team, right?
0: Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, I, I really don't know if Justin could have come in and led us to a win if it was against, say, Alabama or something. Last somewhere. year?
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think he could have last year. I, I really don't. I mean, I know people like in, in the uh, LSU game, Fromm was terrible. We've talked about that a lot. He was not good. This clearly was not. And so people were clamoring for Justin Fields coming to the game. And Fields got in and you know for just a couple of snaps here and there. But like I, I honestly, I don't think if, if Justin Fields had been inserted in that game, I don't really think that changed the outcome all that much. Maybe we've went a little bit closer. Maybe I don't know. But I don't think we win that game. I don't because I don't think that Jake Fromm was the only problem in that game. Fromm was a problem. But he was certainly not the only problem in that game um in the SEC title game if you know we end up losing that game obviously uh, to Alabama if we had just a, like people are uh, you know all from threw for over 300 yards had the, I think it was the second game in his career, career he's done for over 300 yards um did it on the biggest stage against Alabama right in the SEC title game big time game but there are a lot of people uh and I think there's there might be some 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 credence to it Are all over the fact that he did not perform at a high level in the fourth quarter, right? So you think if we bring in Justin Fields in the fourth quarter, does that change the outcome of that game?
0: Absolutely not.
1: Yeah, I I really don't think so either. So I think if you're looking at what we were in 2018 versus what we are in 2019, I think that I agree with you that Stetson Bennett is more equipped to come in and do the things we need our quarterbacks to do as compared to what Justin Fields was able to do as a true freshman last year. Now, I do think if Fields was on our team this year on our roster – he would be a vastly improved version of himself. Is that fair to say? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I think he'd be vastly improved. Honestly, if he would have stayed on the team, like he could have certainly pushed Jake From. I, I, I still think From would have won the job at the end of the day. But I don't think it would have been a done deal. I always felt that From was going to win the job last year because I think he, he was just so far ahead of where Fields was coming into college. Because let's not forget, Justin Fields was basically a one year starter in high school. Compared to a guy like Jake Fromm and even a guy like Trevor Lawrence, these guys were multiple like three, four year starts at their high at the high school level. Whereas Fields did, I think I I think he started like thirteen games for Harrison. So he just really didn't have a ton of reps. So I didn't think that he had a, that he was really gonna beat From out last year. I thought if he would have stayed this year, this is the year he could have made a move, but obviously he chose not to stay. He moved on, and the rest is history. But um again, if you're comparing Stetson Bennett this year 2019, to what we had last year as a true freshman with Justin Fields, I think that we might be better off in terms of him being a better backup option. It doesn't mean he has the higher ceiling. He certainly does not. I mean, Fields could be a Heisman Trophy winner. He has that kind of talent and athleticism. You can never say the same thing about Stetson Bennett. But in terms of us just needing a guy that can come in and be a true backup option for us, I do think it's fair to say that he might be a better option as a backup this year than what we had in Justin Fields as our backup last year. I do think that's fair. Um, yeah. Still, I would say if, if Jake Fromm goes down, do you really feel comfortable the rest of the way? Not at all. Um, and So we focus a lot of that conversation there on the backup. But I want to talk about Jake Fromm here for a minute. So he is entering his third year, Kurt. How much do you expect Jake Fromm to improve in year three as a starter? Um,
0: I think you expect him to take us another step forward. I mean, if the game continues to slow down for him, um, you know, we call games that fit him better. I think it's just an all-around game. I mean, you, you usually do see
1: a big step in year two, but at the same time, year three, it's when everything really is slow. I do think Jake made a a fairly big step in year two. I really do. Uh, Now, he had the high-profile games where he didn't really play that well, like the LSU game, right? Played very poorly. The fourth quarter Alabama, I know a lot of people want to harp on that, and that's fine, but before that, he's the one that gave us the lead, right? I mean, it wasn't just him. He was a big part of why we had a lead on Alabama. So you can kill him for the fourth quarter if you want. That's fine. Um, there's, again, some credence to that to a degree, but we wouldn't have been in that position in the first place if it wasn't for what how for how Jake Fromm performed those first three quarters. But he's kind of had some – in like the Texas game, I guess. I mean, the Sugar Bowl, I don't think he was like flat-out dreadful in the Sugar Bowl, but he wasn't as good as he should have been. Uh, but the LSU game, I know a lot of people just can't get past that. And that's fair. That was a terrible performance. But the rest of the year, the guy was lights out. Uh, I mean I got some stats here for you guys. I just want to throw this out here. I know I'm the resident Jake Fromm fanboy. I get that. I know you all think that. But, like, honestly, I try to be as objective as possible about these. And these numbers don't lie. I'm going to throw these numbers at you guys. And I think this is pretty telling of how good a quarterback Jake Fromm is. So Jake Fromm last year, his total QBR was 85.1, that which was third in the country. Kurt, you want, to take a two, you want to take a guess of the two guys he was behind last year in total QBR? Uh, probably two uh, and, uh Trevor
0: Lawrence.
1: Not Trevor Lawrence. He was better than Trevor Lawrence. Last year, at least according to the QBR. It was, you got two others. one more. Think about it. Number one draft pick. Oh,
0: um, Kyler
1: Murray. Kyler Murray, right? So that that that's that's a pretty good day at the office, right? When you're the third best quarterback, at least according to the total, the total QBR, which takes into a variety and takes into account a kind of variety of different aspects of being a quarterback. But when you're only behind Tua Tagovailoa and Kyler Murray, the Heisman winner and the Heisman runner up, right? That that's saying something there, right? And now let's take it a step further. Over the past five seasons, there have only been 20 Power 5 quarterbacks with total QBRs over 84, okay? In the past five seasons, only 20 Power 5 quarterbacks with a total QBR over 84. Seven of those 20 Power 5 quarterbacks in the past five years with QBRs over 84 were underclassmen, all right? Now, there have also only been three Power 5 quarterbacks, that have had QBRs 84 or higher in multiple seasons over the past five years. Those three quarterbacks are Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Kurt, you want to take a guess who the the third guy is? Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm. Again, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, two stars in the NFL, and then Jake Fromm. Those are the only three quarterbacks in the past five years to have total QBRs of 84 or higher in multiple seasons. And there's only been one quarterback who had a – Total QBR of 84 or higher in multiple seasons, and did it both years as an underclassman. Kurt, you're take another guess who that might be. Uh, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm, right? So, and guys, those are—I didn't make those numbers up. You can go check. The, you can go fact-check that if you want. Those are real numbers, okay? So, if you're looking at it statistically, I know statistics don't always tell the entire story, but they give you a pretty good idea of how a quarterback is playing, right? Uh, again, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Jake Fromm—only three Power Five quarterbacks with QBRs of 84 or higher in Multiple seasons in the past five years, two of those guys started in the NFL, and one, the other one we got on our roster right now. So, I think Jake Fromm has been outstanding for it. So, it doesn't mean he's been perfect, he hasn't been. He's made mistakes, he's had bad games, but so does everybody. I mean, it, it kind of kills me like we ever I know he's our quarterback, so you know, we're going to focus on that. A lot of people want to talk about how bad Jake Fromm was in the fourth quarter against Alabama, how he kind of just you know, just disappeared. Well, Tua Tungvalu, before he got hurt, had disappeared the entire game. Had done absolutely nothing, right? Jake Fromm, I mean, was, they're playing two different defenses, but outplayed Tua Tungvalu in that game. So even a guy as great as Tua is, and he's fantastic, had a bad game. It happens. But for some reason, we can forgive other other teams' quarterbacks having bad games, but Fromm, oh my God, he has one bad game. He's the worst quarterback in the history of the world. I, for one, think we should appreciate what we have in Jake Fromm, and I'm expecting a huge step in year three. I really believe that, Kurt. Am I going too far, or is he really in line, in your opinion, for a big-time step in year three? I
0: think he is. I think we might call a better
1: game for him. Yeah, I I do think the play calling here with the new Office coordinator could come into play, and I'm very interested to see, does James Coley switch up? You know, He's obviously not going to change up the, the uh, structure of our offense. We're going to be very much what we've been. We want to run the football, hit some stuff off play action. But is he going to try to give Jake some easier throws? Is he going to allow Jake to throw a little bit more often off play action? Is he going to allow him to kind of make the throws that he wants to make? Is he going to put, or I should say, the throws that Jake is best at making, which we all know Jake throws really well to the outside. He's going to give him more opportunities to do that. Uh, we'll see. Are we going to use the tight end a little bit more? I don't know. All these things remain to be seen, but... Uh, I'm excited about having a new offensive coordinator and what he might bring to the table here. And I am just thrilled about having finally an upperclassman at quarterback in the Kirby Smart era. So, I, honestly, I think that we're going to be I – Wait, mean, what did you say? Did you say better or worse? Oh, you didn't say worse. Did you say better or about the same?
0: I said about the same.
1: <sighs> you know what? I'm going to go better. I'm going to go better here with a caveat of if Jake Fromm stays healthy. Um, Which I know that's a very big caveat here. But I just think Jake's going to have a big-time year this year. I think he's going to be better than he ever has been and and might take a pretty sizable step forward in year three. So I'm going to say, I mean, I don't think we're going to be light years ahead better. We still have the same guy as a starter. But uh, he's played a lot of football for us. and played a lot of big-time games. So I'm going to go slightly better here at quarterback, even though we don't have Justin Fields. I do like the fact that we have a guy that can be a solid backup and Stetson Bennett. All right, next up, let's take a look at the wide receivers. Now, this is a position that all of our rivals and the naysayers point to as kind of like their way to justify all their claims that we're going to take a step back in 2019 as we are losing three of our top four wide receivers and 63% of our overall receiving yards from 2018. So, Kurt, like, do you buy that? Will we be better, worse, or about the same at wide receiver in 2019? Um, I
0: think we either are about the same or worse. I just go with that because, yeah, we have a lot of talent like Holloman and the potential of uh, Robertson and Pickens if he comes in and people like that. But I think we had a lot more training here with go-to guys such as Riley Ridley.
1: Yeah, uh, let's talk about Ridley for a second here. Or, I'm sorry, let's talk about Ridley just for – yeah, let's talk about Ridley for a second here. We're losing him. He was our top receiver last year. Is there anybody on our roster right now that you feel comfortable saying can replace the production – that we got from Riley Reid last year. Uh, Ridley was a guy who uh, had 43 catches for 559 yards, nine touchdowns. Do we have a guy on the roster that can give us what he gave us last year?
0: JJ is the only guy, but he also is very inconsistent right now.
1: You know, honestly, yeah, I mean – that's fair, but couldn't you also yeah, say... have
0: some great games, but then will also miss some balls that, hey, you should probably come
1: down with. Yeah, I think that's fair, but could you not have also said the same thing about Riley really when he was a sophomore? Think about the, 2000, the 2017 season. I mean, there were some games we played, like the National Championship game played great, but there were a lot of games for the year he just didn't show up.
0: Well, I felt like in sophomore year, he really got behind the eight ball and he got suspended. Yeah. Um, he, double breaking the lineup, but once he did, he made some big plays for us. It was just the fact that he had trouble getting out on the field. I think when he was on the field, you didn't see him drop many balls. I don't think that was ever part of, part of his problem.
1: He was he was huge for us in the national championship game, two thousand seven. I was two thousand seventeen season. Uh, but I I guess maybe I'm a little bit higher on JJ. You're right. There are some there are some times where he was a little inconsistent, like the the Sugar Bowl, right? Dropped a
0: in the spring game. You know, there's some balls that hey. Uh, I should go
1: up and get. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. That's a, that's a solid assessment there. Um, but I, I do believe in the talent that J.J. has. I think some of those inconsistencies are things that he can work out with with time with more reps. Now he's, he's going to be a junior. I do think he can be that X wide receiver that we've had the past few years, whether it was Javon Wims in 2017, Ridley last year. Those guys can go up and make the, the jump ball catches, you know, the back shoulder type stuff. I think J.J. can be the next guy to follow in that line. Now, is he going to be as good as as Ridley or as good as Javon Wims, I mean, that still remains to be seen. But I don't think there's a massive drop-off between what J.J. is going to give us in 2019 and what we got from Riley Ridley last year. I mean, if you look at, you look at the numbers, Ridley last year had 43 catches for 559 yards, nine touchdowns, and then J.J. had uh, 24 catches for 418 yards and five touchdowns. So didn't have the number of receptions. Uh, was a more of a big play threat than what Ridley was. So I, I don't think he was that far off last year, although he did have some inconsistencies. You're right about that. I'm hopeful that with another season under his belt, he can kind of straighten some of that stuff out. So to me, I'm not as worried about that position. Like, I think we can replace really with J.J. What I'm concerned about, and, and uh, well, at slot, too, like, do you feel like I, we're losing Michael Hardman? Like, is that a major loss for you, or do you think we have the personnel to fill that role pretty well?
0: I, I have the personnel to fill it. I mean, Nicole uh, was very explosive, yes. Uh, but later in the season, he really just started to disappear.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, the first, I say, what do you say, third or first quarter of the season, first three or four games of the year, I mean, he was he was our biggest threat offensively. He really was, especially in that South Carolina game. But then you're right. I think teams kind of, they got wise to the fact that we were trying to go to him. He was the playmaker that we were trying to get the ball to in space, and they were able to try to take him away. And we, and part of it was that Miko didn't have an answer. Part of it was Jim Chaney didn't do a good enough job of, of scheming to get him open and get him the ball in space. Um, but you're right, the last half of the year at least, he was not as effective as he was early on in the year. Who do you look to in the slot to kind of fill that role that Miko's leaving behind? All
0: right now you have Kiaris Jackson and probably um, Dominic Blaylock when he comes in.
1: What about uh, Demetrius?
0: Um, you could I just don't know If that's who they're looking at But I mean I think he could Fit into that role And like the thing is When you look at people Like Kiaris Jackson The guy can make a wild play But he can also Just do some things That you see What's holding him back
1: Yeah Kiaris has All the talent in the world I'm actually really high On what he can bring To the table Long term but you even saw in the spring game there were some inconsistencies in within the spring game and Kirby was talking about that all uh, during spring practice in his press conferences. You know he would talk about talk up Kier, say he's doing some good things, but he's also he's just inconsistent. He has good days, he has bad days, he has good plays, he has bad plays. So and that's a young guy that that makes sense. I really I honestly, if I had to predict right now, I, I think that Demetrius Robertson is going to be the guy to open the season in the slot. I really believe that. I think Blaylock, you're right, is going to be a guy that's going to come in as a true freshman and push some time there. But I think Demetrius Robertson could have a potential coming out type year. I mean, he's a very comparable athlete to what Mikko was, right? Yeah. I mean, he 100% is, is a comparable athlete. actually had a, a better 100-meter time coming out of high school than what Mikko had. So from an athletic standpoint, I'm not concerned. Now, Obviously, he had, to, he had to develop his body. He has to work on his physicality, become a better blocker out there, and kind of just get familiar with the system. But now he has a year under his belt. I feel like Demetrius is in line to have a pretty big year for us. I really do believe that. Um, so I, I, I'm good with the X position with J.J. I feel pretty solid at the slot position. Uh, where I'm concerned is that starting wide receiver spot opposite J.J., that Z receiver. Do we have someone ready to step up at the Z position to complement J.J.? Like, in your opinion, Kurt, right now, do we have that guy? Do we have someone that can be, like, what J.J. was to Riley Ridley last year? Uh, Not yet. I mean, someone's going to have to step up. Uh, and this is where, like, for me, I'm going to say, I don't think we take a – I really don't think we take a, a step backwards. But I'm going to say we're going to be about the same unless I see someone step up at that Z position. We've got guys like Tyler Simmons. But, like, I, honestly, like, does Tyler Simmons – like, if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, does he strike fear into your heart? He just doesn't. I, I think he can make plays for us at times, but he's not a guy that demons are going to have to game plan around. A guy like Matt Landers, though, if the light ever comes on and he can be and be a little bit more consistent. The
0: Miami transfer. Say that one more time. Or the potential Miami transfer.
1: Yep, that's those are the two guys I'm looking at. Can Lawrence Cager come in as a graduate transfer from Miami, a guy who's been around the block, who's played a lot of football. Now, he never quite lived up to do his his billing uh, coming out of high school at Miami. But he's got a, he's got a fresh start here. He's got some familiarity with James Coley's system. James Coley knows him. He was offensive coordinator when uh, at Miami when Cager first got to Miami. He's a guy that I think I would have loved if he was here in the spring, but he wasn't. But he's a guy that can come in and potentially be a compliment to JJ there. And I think Matt Landers has the potential, uh, but it's still very much a work in progress for him right now. We saw that at G-Day. We saw him make some big-time plays, you saw some plays with that he should have come down with, it. he just didn't. And that's kind of what Kirby's been saying about him for over a year now. So if the light ever comes on for him, I think he can certainly be more than a compliment to J.J. But that's tough to predict right now. So I'm I'm with you right now. I'm going to say we're going to be about the same. I know a lot of people look at it and say we're losing so much in the wide receiver position that we're going to have to step back and we're going to be worse there. I don't necessarily say that. I think J.J. will really kind of follow in the line of whims, and uh in Ridley. I think we'll be fine at the slot position with guys like Demetrius Robertson, Kieris Jackson, Dominic Blaylock potentially. And I think someone is gonna step up and be a, at least a competent complement. How about some alliteration there, man, uh to JJ Holloman at that Z position. So I think we'll be about the same. I don't expect us to take a to take a huge step forward this year. I think now one guy we didn't mention though, Kirk because we just got some news that he looks like he's very much gonna be eligible in the 2019 season is True freshman George Pickens. Do you expect him to maybe come in and be a big time player for us right away and change the whole dynamic of our wide receiver core?
0: Um, you're hoping he is, but it's just an unknown.
1: It's just so hard to predict that, right? Yeah. I like, guess talented as like anybody, I mean, he is so talented coming out of high school. There's no doubt, but there's just so many variables and factors that go into is this guy going to come in and be able to play right away? He wasn't here for the spring, so he's going to be learning the whole system from scratch. He probably wouldn't. I mean, we send these guys playbooks. We probably didn't have his nose in the playbook much this past uh, spring because he was focusing on trying to get eligible, which, thank God, it seems like that is the case. He did get eligible. He's got to come in. He's got to learn how to block. He's got to be physical out there. He's got to learn the system. He's got to, and like for him to come in right away and be one of those go to guys that's going to step in and maybe maybe be in the rotation, he's going to have to jump over some guys that have been in the system for a long time and be flat out better than them. So I think as the season goes on, we could see him play more and more. But I just have a tough time right now predicting and saying, like, yeah, let's go ahead and slot him in as a guy from the get go who's going to be a major playmaker for us. I do think that's possible as the year goes on. I just don't know if it's going to happen right out the gate. That's just kind of where I am with him. But I'm still very, very excited about him. I think he's going to be a stud for us sooner rather than later. Uh, all right, next up, somewhat hand-in-hand with the wide receivers, is the tight ends. We're obviously losing a three-year starter in Isaac Nauta to the NFL and uh, a highly rated member of the 2018 class in Luke Ford, losing him to the transfer portal. Uh, we do have a rising senior, however, who's played a lot of football for us, and Charlie Warner, He's returning. But outside of that, man, like, oof, there are a lot of questions. But I'll put it to you, Kurt. At tight end, will we be better, worse, or about the same in 2019?
0: I think we're worse off just especially because of depth-wise. You have a lot of unknowns. Uh, Last year we at least had Nada, Warner, and then you at least had Jackson Harris as the third guy who could, you know, block and do some things. Um, So I think that's the only thing that we're really going to miss.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you here. I I think it's hard to say we're going to be as good as we were last year. I don't think it'll be a sizable drop off, but I don't think it'll we'll be quite as good. Because I don't know about the the death is what concerns me. Uh, we do have someone to replace Isaac Nauta. Like, do you think there's gonna be that much of a drop off from Isaac Nauta when you have Charlie Warner coming in to be that number one tight end?
0: I, I really don't know. Um, I think Charlie Warner can do it. It's just,
1: I honestly, I think that Warner is more of a matchup problem for def- for defenders and for defensive coordinators as a receiver out of the back. Yeah, from the for, position, that's where Warner's game is a, definitely a lot better. Um,
0: Nada, when he wanted to, was a, a, an animal when it came down to blocking. You know, so he had some big blocks for us. Uh, Warner got better. You know, he struggled at the beginning of the year last year, but he got a lot better as it went on blocking-wise. You didn't see the glaring mistakes where he's getting pushed back. Uh, but I still think that that's the one thing we're going to miss. Is we don't really have a blocking tight end. Maybe the Wolf guy, that's a, all you can yeah. about expect from him when he comes in is you're not going to really see him do much pass. Catching threat-wise, but uh, he's probably going to be like a Jackson Harris to offense.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I, I really don't think we're going to miss – well, I shouldn't say we're not going to miss on. We will miss dog but I don't think there's going to be a, a drop-off at all. Uh, with Charlie Warner coming in to be the top guy in terms of our number one tight end. I do agree with you that Nada was a better blocker. He was a more polished tight end because that's what he did his entire career in high school. He was much more polished and prepared to play the tight end position from day one than Charlie Warner was. Charlie Warner didn't play tight end in high school. We've talked about this before. So it was a much deeper learning curve for him. But now Charlie Warner is a senior. He has played a lot of football for us at the tight end position. You're right. He has improved tremendously as a blocker. There were some times last year, I mean, specifically in the South Carolina, I think there were at least two instances where he just got like steamrolled. Um, and he's better than that. And he, But he improved as the season went on. He's become more physical. He's become a better blocker. He's grown there. But he was always a better athlete than Nada. I mean, we saw, like, like when people – some people were, like, kind of surprised at the 40 times that Nada put up at the at the combine in his pro day. Like, were you that surprised, Kurt? No, not at all. Like, no. That, that's what Nada has been forever, even in high school. I mean, I watched Isaac Nauta play quite a few games in high school. Um, Beaufort High School, You know, this is back when he was at Beaufort before he went to IMG. I mean, it's not that far from where I live here in Athens. I'm able to watch this guy play quite a few times. Uh, but he was never a plus athlete. That was never his game. He was just a really strong, physical guy who was a crisp route runner and just knew how to play the tight end position. So he was just operating from a more advanced uh, framework coming into the University of Georgia than what Charlie Warner it was. But Warner was always the better athlete. He was always the better, better receiving option. He just couldn't get on the field as much because he wasn't as good of a blocker. He wasn't as proficient as doing some of the technical things as Isaac Donald was. But now that he's a senior, I think it all those differences are negligible. I think he's improved as a blocker. He can do all the, the technical deals. And I do think he's going to be more of a matchup problem for tight ends and safeties who are trying to cover him out there in space. And I do think he'll get more looks in the pass game. And I would not be surprised at all to see him improve on the numbers that Isaac Notto put up last year. Nauta was good for us last year. He had a really good senior season, 30 catches for 430 yards. But I honestly believe that uh, Charlie Warner can improve on that. But I'm also with you. I'm going to say that we're taking a step back here. We're not going to be quite as good at tight end this year, not because of Warner but because of who we have after outside of Warner. Like, do, I don't think we have the guy this year. At least I think it's still a question. Do we have somebody on the roster right now that can be what Charlie Warner was the past three years?
0: Not that I know
1: of. Yeah, and like we can't say yes right now. That's just, that would be a pure guess. We just haven't seen enough of these guys. Like we haven't seen enough of Eli Wolf at Georgia. We haven't seen any of him. We haven't seen enough of, of Fitz. You know, we haven't seen enough of Fitzpatrick. We haven't seen enough of Scyther. I mean, we haven't seen him at all at, at the college level. I'm really high on what he can bring to the table, but we don't know what he's going to be in his first year. We just don't know that. Like last year, we knew, could okay, we have Isaac Nauta, and that's going to be our stud starter, uh, be able to do all the things that we need our tight ends to do. And then Charlie Warner is. A very very good number two tight end. So I think we have the stud starter at tight end, Charlie Warner. But do we have that very very good backup option, that number two guy? And that right now I don't know. Uh, I think it's possible that we. The answer is yes. That's very possible. But like we'd be foolish here and say definitively yes, we have that guy because like how do we know? We haven't seen it. I'm open to the idea that we do have that guy on the roster, but we just don't know if we do and if we do, who is it? So right now. Based on what we know at this point, I'm going to have to say it's going to be at least a slight step back at tight end. But I do think Warner is going to be very good for us this year. I really do believe that. All right, let's move on to the running backs quickly here. Um, We have done something very rare the past two seasons. In consecutive years, we have posted two 1,000-yard rushers. Last year, it was DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holyfield. But, of course, only one of those two backs is returning this season as Elijah Holyfield elected to forego his senior season and declare for the NFL draft. Unfortunately, that did not work out too well for him. It breaks my heart for the guy. I wish he was able to come back, but it's just not the way Custer Ball is structured right now, unfortunately. But uh, we do have DeAndre Swift returning. And along with him, we have Brian Harrion, James Cook, and you have to believe at some point Zamir White's going to return. And we're also going to add true freshman Kenny McIntosh to the mix this summer. So Curtis, even though we're losing Elijah Holyfield, what is your expectation for this running back unit? Will we be better, worse, or about the same at that position in 2019? Um, I'm going to probably go with worse right now. And I just Ooh. think the fact is that
0: we have a lot of question marks. Um, you know, we had question marks coming the last year with Holyfield, but we kind of knew that he was going to be a good player. He just had not the opportunity. Sure. Uh, and we just don't know what we're getting now. Um, you know, you hope that Cook's gotten bigger, can make some of the, the you know, bigger and more comfortable in the offense. I think that's one thing that hurt him last year. Is we put him in, he'd mess up, and he'd get yanked right out. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. Is we just have a lot of unknowns kind of very similar to what we saw in the wide
1: receiver group. Yeah, there are some unknowns here. There's You cannot escape that. There's there's no doubt about that. I have a hard time saying that we're going to be better, right? Like, to me, it's either yeah, I, we're, we're going to be worse I or the same. we're
0: going to be just the same. Uh, because I don't
1: know if we have two 1,000-yard rushers. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a fair point. Like, when you have two 1,000-yard rushers, and that's such a rare accomplishment, it's just so hard to sit here and say, yeah, we're going to be better than that. Like, I just don't know how you say that. I guess it's possible, but it's so hard to predict that. I think you have to say right now, at this point in the season, on May 22nd, that we're either going to be worse or about the same. You're going with worse, and and I think that, that's hard to argue with. I mean, that's, that's a very fair position to take. I'm, however, I, I don't know if it's going to be a massive drop of though. I'm think i going to go with about the same. Now, hear me out. You're right. I, I don't know if we're going to have 2,000-yard rushers this year. But here's how I'm looking at this. If DeAndre Swift is healthy, Kurt, he ran for just over 1,000 yards last year, is it safe to say if DeAndre – if. It's a big if because he he's had trouble staying healthy. But if DeAndre Swift is able to stay healthy for the entire year, is this a guy that could potentially push for twelve to 1,400 yards rushing? Uh, yes. That I, I, I agree with that. Uh, so I'm looking at it from that perspective. Number one, I think Swift will be better than what he was last year. He was good last year the second half of the year. The first half of the year, he was a shell of what he was uh, You know, as a freshman in the second half of last year. But then he got healthy after the bye week and was a monster the rest of the way just a flat-out beast for us. I think we're going to see that version of him for most of the year this year if he stays healthy. So I don't think you, I, I think he'll be a little bit better. And then if you look at the number two position, right, you got Elijah Holyfield, he's out of the equation. He has 1,000-yard rush left, just over a 1,000 yards. But here's what I would say. Like I do think that he was a better running back than Harry. And we were talking about that going back to the 2017 season. But I, I also will say I don't think it's going to be like that significant of a drop-off with Brian Harry. And I really don't think there's going to be that much of a drop I do like Holyfield better based on what I had seen to this point in their careers, but I don't think there's a massive separation there. And if you go back and look at last year, yes, Holyfield rushed for a little over a 1,000 yards, but our number two and number three backs combined, Holyfield and Harrion, they combined for a total of 1,313 yards. So my question for you, Curtis, is instead of looking at from it the, the, from the vantage point of like, are we going to have 2,000 yard rushers, let's look at it this way. I think Swift is going to be better. If you look at the number two and number three backs from last year and the number two and three this year, Holyfield and Haron combined like I said for 1313 yards last year, do you is it possible that Brian Harrion and an improved James Cook in year two can equal that number together?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: It's tough I, I think they can I mean so look at it. can I, could Haron and Cook both rush for about 600 700 yards apiece?
0: I, think this I mean, it's possible.
1: It's possible. I mean, I can't predict that right now. But I, I think, like, if you look at what Harrington and Cook can do together, I think that duo, as our number two number three back, is better than the duo of Holyfield and Harrion last year. I think like, that's – it's po- well, I shouldn't say they're better. I think it's possible they can at least equal that. I really think it's possible. Uh, it's hard to say it's going to happen for sure, but I think it's possible. And if you factor that in with Swift being a little bit better this year, and then you've got uh, – Potentially have Zeus back at some point. Now we don't know what he's going to look like, and if he's going to be all the way back, we don't know that. But it looks like he's. I mean, Kirby t- said earlier this week he expects him to be cleared. Uh, he hasn't been cleared yet, but the expectations he will be cleared for fall drills. So you know, if he's in the equation to some degree, and then you've uh, that could be a wild card. You know Kenny McIntosh coming in as another guy could be a potential wild card? I'm going to say that we can, we're going to be a, we're going to have about the same level of production at the running back position as we had last year. Now, it's probably going to be spread out among more guys. I mean, last year, it was really swift and Holyfield, and that was mostly it um, outside of, like, mop-up duty. But I think we're going to be just as productive just doing it with more guys, if that makes sense. So I'm going to go about the same. I can't say better, but about the same is where I'm going to lean right now. All right, and finally, let's wrap it up on the offensive side of the ball here with uh, taking a look at the big uglies up front on the offensive line. I, this one, Kerr, I think is pretty easy. Lamont Gilliard is the only starter we are losing off of a borderline elite unit from last year. We are returning six players with multiple games of starting experience on the offensive line. So, Kerr, again, this one's pretty easy for me, but I want you to, get, to give your thoughts here. Do you expect this to be better, worse, or about the same along the offensive line in 2019? I'm going
0: better just because I think that for, as good as Lamont Gilliard was, there were times where he got you know stalled you know, just stopped up front or pushed back at times. Sure. Um, so, I, yeah, I think we're going to be better, especially when you got people like Andrew Thomas, Wilson and stuff getting more experience.
1: I mean, I get that we're losing a senior starter at center when that's kind of the captain of your offensive line. I, that, that's tough. Uh, I do think that a guy like um, Trey Hill has a higher long-term ceiling than what Lamont had. But I do have questions about, like, will – True sophomore Trey Hill be a be, be better than what s- the senior version of Lamont Gilliard was. I don't know the answer is yes. I mean that remains to be seen. But I think that's a fair question to ask there. But what, what I'm looking at is, dude, we got six six players back with starting experience, and all those guys are a year older. Is it not fair to expect all those guys to be a year better also? I like to think so. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you have to think so. They you're going to be a year stronger, you're more experienced. I mean, guys like Cade Mays who are you know young pups last year, Trey Hill young pup last year. Those Jamari Sawyer, young pup last year. Those guys are now at I least mean, Hill and uh, and Mays are going to be experienced players for us. Jamari has apparently made a pretty big jump. If you want to uh, believe what Kirby Smart to say during uh, spring practice and his press conferences, I like, guess hard for me to imagine that we won't be better when we're only losing one guy. Yeah, yeah, I know the guy we're losing was a senior veteran starter. He's kind of the captain of the offensive line. But man, like again, I I do think that Trey Hill has a higher long term ceiling than what Lamont Gillier had, although I think Gillier was an underrated player for us. So I don't want to spend too much time on this one. I think it's pretty easy. We're going to be better on the offensive line in 2019. Um, But all right, let's flip it over here to the defensive side of the ball for a few minutes, and let's stick with the trenches. Uh, Along the defensive line, we're really only losing Jonathan Ledbetter. I mean, am I missing something currently? Ledbetter is pretty much the only defensive lineman we're really missing, right? Yeah, that's true. So... What is your if that's the case? What is your expectation along the defensive line? Will, will we be better, worse, or about the same at that position? I
0: think we'll be better. I think Jordan Davis will be a little bit more comfortable and nice if we have David Marshall back, um, which will be a huge thing to get back. And I think huge. you're seeing like Michael Barnett take a step forward right now in his final, you know, making year. So, um,
1: and he was serviceable for he wasn't great, but he was at least serviceable for us while we got Jordan Davis ready to play. Yeah. And you got to throw in a guy like Malik Herring. I know he was kind of relegated to the number two defense in G-Day, Dave I think that was more of a motivational tactic with Kirby trying to get him, you know, to be a little bit more consistent. But what we saw from Malik Herring in the second half of last year was very encouraging for me. Was it for you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I, he is. I mean, we love Lead. I mean, Lead was a stud. But I, I think it's fair to say that Herring is a more athletic version of John the Not quite as stout against the run. Uh, Not as consistent as Ledbetter at this point, but more athletic version might might give us a little bit more of a pass rush there. So you've got him, you're right, we have got David Marshall back, who was such an underrated loss for us last year. That guy just does a lot for us on the defensive line. Jordan Davis back for a full year, uh, a year bigger, a year stronger, a year more experienced, a year better. You got seniors now, and Jonathan or in Julian Rochester and Tyler Clark. Devontae Wyatt's going to be a, a guy in his second year in our system, uh, and he's a guy that I thought really came on towards the end of last year. Then of course you're going to throw in a true freshman like Javon Walker in the equation. Now we still don't know how much he's going to factor, and he might not factor in at all. But he's a highly rated guy, coming a highly athletic guy he might give us something that we don't really have on the defensive line right now in terms of his athletic ability. Uh, so he, you know we've got some guys to work with there and some experience as well. So like honestly, I I think. I think we'll be at least the same. Did you say better or worse, or, or did you say the same? I said about the same. About the same. Better. You said, oh, that's yeah, right. You got you got better here. You got better. I'm gonna say. You know what? I'm with you. I'm gonna say we're gonna be slightly better on the defensive line this year, just because all, we basically didn't lose anybody. We lost Jonathan Leopard, who was really good for us, but everybody else is back, and these guys are gonna be a year more experienced, a year stronger, a year better, and you expect them to take at least a, a, a decent step forward in uh for like J- rochester and clark in their senior seasons for a guy like jordan davis in his sophomore year i mean you usually expect the guys to get a pretty big jump going into their sophomore year uh so yeah i think we're gonna be at least a little bit better on the defensive line i uh, i truly believe that uh, i don't know if we're ready to be a dominant defensive front yet but i think we're gonna be a little bit better than what we were last year uh, but all right next up let's move over to the outside linebackers we are losing our most productive pass rusher in deandre walker He's a guy who had almost four times as many sacks as our next closest guy. He had seven and a half sacks last year compared to two for Channing Tindall. So, almost four times as many as the next closest guy. That's hard to believe, but it's the truth. But uh, we're also getting an influx of talent at the position with the likes of number one overall recruit Nolan Smith, number one Juco prospect Jermaine Johnson. Of course, we get a full season of Aziz Ojalari. Knock on wood if you can stay healthy. And not to mention the highly rated prospects from the 2018 class who did get some playing time last year as true freshmen. Guys like Britton Cox and Adam Anderson. So, Curtis, at outside linebacker, to me this is another one that's pretty easy. But I am here. What hear what you think here. Will we be better, worse, or about the same at outside linebacker in 2019?
0: I think it's no question we're better. Yeah, it'll, lose, it'll uh, hurt to lose Walker. But I think across the board we are a lot better. Uh,
1: isn't this one the most obvious? Yeah, to me it is. I think this one, the offensive line, are the two most obvious places that we're going to be better in 2019. Uh, offensive line, I mean, we have pretty much everybody back. They're all going to be a year older, you're better, you're more experienced. And you can say the same thing at, at defensive or an outside linebacker with guys like uh, Aziz Ojalari coming back. Although he only had a small sample size, we still got to see what he could do in that Sugar Bowl game. He looked very, very good there. He's been a year in the system, even though he wasn't playing. He was still learning, he was in meetings, doing all that kind of stuff. Britton Cox played a lot for us last year. Anderson started to play a lot more as the season went on in certain packages. And then you add in a guy like Nolan Smith, who right now, I think is in position to start as a true freshman, at least in our nickel package. Maybe not in our base package, but if we come out in our nickel package to open against Vanderbilt, I think he'll run out there. And then you got the number one, Juco and Jermaine Johnson, who we're all very high on. I mean, it's just hard to imagine how we're not going to be better at that position. And we didn't even mention a guy who started for us last year in Walter Grant, who's also back. Um, Now, he plays a little bit of a different role. He's Maybe not the pass rush specialist type guy, but... Kirby's made a lot about the Havoc rate. I've made a lot about Havoc rate even before Kirby was making a lot about the Havoc rate. That's, that, that was something I was on that we had to improve and we've addressed that. There's no doubt about it. So I think it's pretty clear that we have guys that fit different skill sets. We have guys that play more against the run like Britton Cox, Zizo Uh We've got guys that are more pass rush specials like Nolan, Jermaine Johnson. Adam Anderson obviously also can find a role as a pass rusher especially on uh, in, in our dime packages. So I think it's pretty clear I'm with you. We're going to be I think a good bit better at outside linebacker in 2019. Um, but all right, let's take a look at the inside linebackers now for a minute or two. We are losing two, I guess I would say, what part-time starters. Is that fair, Kurt? Uh, yeah. I'll, yeah, Taylor, Nature's Patrick, part-time starters. They started some games, not every game. Uh, but we do also return two other guys with starting experience, Tay T- Crowder and Monty Rice. So two of the four guys that are in our regular rotation inside linebacker last year, they are coming back. But also, like outside linebacker, we do have an influx of young talent at the position. Some guys that were a freshman last year that got their feet wet a little bit in Channing Tindall and Quay Walker. But we also have a big-time uh, inside linebacker prospect in Nicobe Dean, who right now looks like he might be he might be in line to start next year. Uh, it, it looks that way, if, if, at least if G Day is any indication. At least in our diet package, there's no doubt there. Um, so, Kurt, will we be better, worse, or about the same at inside linebacker in 2019? Oh,
0: I'm going better. Um, I don't think we're losing anything at all, really. Uh, so that's why I have to go with better. And I think we're adding
1: uh, – Wow, Hall. you are not high on Patrick and Taylor, were you? <laughs>
0: no, not at all. Say <laughs> we're so not losing anything, yeah. Taylor's a waste of space.
1: Um, he was.
0: Dude, that's hard. the fact so, is I think year two of Tyndall Walker is going to be huge. And I think um, Nicobe Dean has a chance to really push for starting position. So I think uh, we're. there's no question that we're better very similar to the outside linebacker.
1: I mean and look, we don't we can't guarantee that N'Kobe Dean is gonna be a starter week one. But I mean, look at it this way. In a couple of he what, what spring practice about a month of practices, right? You know, we divide up through a couple of weeks there. So three to four weeks of spring practice, the guy came out after only three or four weeks practicing with this team as one of the three top three guys in the inside linebacker rotation with the number one defense, right? Yeah. So I mean, if he did that in three to four weeks, Imagine how much he's going to improve through the course of fall camp. I, I really believe this guy is going to run out there as a starter in our first game. I, I really believe that. And I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. I mean, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I think there's a very real possibility he's going to start week as early as week one. I really believe that. And he is just such a freakish athlete. Not the biggest guy, but he's so instinctive to go along with his athleticism. Be a true silent sideline type guy. And he's also a very... Uh, technically sound inside linebacker He uses his hands very well he's able to to sift through traffic and disengage from blocks very very well so I, I'm just so high on the guy man I think he's going to be I don't want to say he's gonna be Roquan but the closest thing we've had to that uh I guess in a couple of years now so I'm excited about him I do th- I'm agreeing with you here that we're going to be better there I think you're going to see guys like Channing Tindall and Quay Walker get more playing time honestly like do you, how much do you I mean do you expect Tate Crowder to factor into the inside linebacker rotation all that much as the season wears on
0: I think that he he actually may factor in more than Monty Rice because he could do stuff on like third downs.
1: That's true. I mean, honestly, I like, I think Crowder and Rice like they're probably gonna, they're going to be in the rotation to start the season. I really believe that they will. I think for leadership purposes, especially, and Kirby wants to give these guys a chance. But I think the cream's going to rise the, the uh, it's going to rise to the top, man. Like it is. It, it, and I think that's going to be guys like N'Kobe Dean and Quay Walker and Channing Tindall. I think as the season wears on, those are the three guys who are gonna get, be, that are going to be getting the majority of the reps of the inside linebacker. I mean, Crowder and Rice, well, they'll have. I'm sure they'll play a little bit here and there, but I think there's other three of the ones that we're going to see uh, more and more of as the season wears on. And they're just they're just better athletes. They can just do more of what we need our inside linebackers to do in our 3-4 in our scheme. So I'm with you. I'm going to go a little bit better there. Uh, and finally, let's wrap this whole thing up with a look at the secondary. Now, ostensibly... Most would say that when you lose a first-round draft pick at corner, a guy that hadn't given him a touchdown since 2016 in DeAndre Baker, that we have to take a step back. At least that's what our rivals and what the naysayers are saying. But Curtis, do you buy that? Or is there a chance we could maybe be better or at least about the same in the secondary in 2019?
0: I think best-case scenario would be about
1: the same. I'm with you, man. It's just like I do think we're going to have some players take a pretty – Sizable step forward in the secondary. But when you lose a guy, the Caliber of DeAndre Baker, again, has not given up the touchdown since 2016. That's freaking crazy. It's just hard to say you're going to be better, right? Yeah. It's just really hard to say you're going to be better when you're losing a guy like that. Um, but I, I I will be open to the idea that we can be about the same. Like We don't have one guy that's going to be DeAndre Baker. At least we haven't seen that from them yet. But I think Eric Stokes is going to build off what I think was a really strong end of the season. I think, I think honestly, he ended the season as one of the better cornerbacks in the SEC. I really liked what I saw from Tyson Campbell during G-Day, but that was a small sample size. I want to continue to see him make strides there. Um, I'm still a little gunshot after what I saw from him and just not being able to track the ball in the air all last season. Um, so I want to see him be a little bit more instinctive and have better ball skills. And if I can see that in actual games things. I'm open to the idea that we could be, uh, certainly as good, maybe even slightly a little bit better overall. Uh, one area I do think we're going to improve at is, is the star position. Are you with me there? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I mean, I think undoubtedly, we will be better at that position. Like whoever it is that starts there. I think whether it's Devon Wilson, who I'm still sticking with right now, but even if it's Mark Webb or William Poole, I think any of that any of that group, either of those any of those guys will be better than what we had with Tyreek Mickey last year. I really believe that. And I hate to to dog on Tyreek like that, but I just think any of those guys are gonna be an upgrade over him. And then you got obviously uh, J.R. Re coming back uh, as a third year starter and Richard coming back in his second year. If you can hold on to that job, then you got guys like Lewis Scene and Otis Reese also pushing for playing time there. So I, I think honestly, like we're not gonna be we have no one to replace DeAndre Baker right now. We don't have that guy yet. But I think it's fair to to project everyone else to take at least a, a decent step forward at their respective positions in the secondary. So I'm gonna go with about the same at the secondary position or in the secondary as a whole. Despite the fact that we are losing a first-round draft pick in DeAndre Baker, which I know might sound a little bit crazy there, so that is the that is it, man. That is position by position. Taking a look at will we be better or worse in 2019 at each position. So let's wrap it up here really quickly. So let's look at the whole thing in totality. So I'm going to go back and look at this is what you've got, what I've got from you so far. So I sound like you said better inside linebacker. You said better and secondary. You said the same. All right, so, Kirk, you said at quarterback, you expect this to be about the same. At wide receiver, you expect this to be uh, worse. You expect this to be worse at tight end without Isaac Nauta and with some of the depth issues. You expect this to be worse at running back, but you expect this to be better at the offensive line, uh, defensive line, outside linebackers, and inside linebackers, and then about the same in the secondary. So, Kirk, putting all that together, do you think this 2019 Georgia football team will be better than the 2018 version of Georgia football?
0: I do, I think one of our biggest problems last year was actually our defense. Um, so I think we I think to definitely be a step up there.
1: I, I, I'm absolutely with you. And there's three things for me here that I want to point out. And We went through position by position. I'm going to point out the three biggest reasons why I'm going to say we'll be better in 2019. Number one, quarterback. I know that we have some questions behind Jake Fromm, but I expect Jake Fromm, if he stays healthy, holy crap, knock on wood. But if he stays healthy, I expect him to be the best version of himself that we've seen to this point. And that's saying something. This guy had the third-best QBR of any quarterback in America last year, only behind the Heisman Trophy winner and the Heisman Trophy runner-up. So I think we're going to be better there, and that is the most important position in all of football. If you are good there, you have a chance. If you're not good there, you ain't got a chance. You just don't. And then number two, I think we'll be better along the offensive line. We were good last year, but we'll be even better. And I think we'll be better on the defensive front as well. And I'm still a believer in the SEC, and really all of college football, not just the SEC but you have to be strong in the trenches. If you are elite in the trenches and you have a high-level quarterback, you are going to win a lot of football games. You're going to have a chance to beat every single team you play. I'm not saying that we're going to do that, but you're going to have a chance to when you are elite on the the offensive defensive lines, at least on the offensive line. I think we can be very good on the defensive line. I don't know if we're ready to be elite, but I think we'll be a little bit better there. But I think we have a chance to have potentially the best offensive line in all of America, at least a top three unit, along with a third-year quarterback who's put up crazy numbers for us in terms of his efficiency ratings uh and then finally I'm you mentioned the defense I think we are going to be a more disruptive defense in 2019 that has been our Achilles heel defensively we've had good players we've been solid we've been well coached defensively but we have not been disruptive and that has been the difference between us and Alabama and us and Clemson they have disruptive playmakers on the defensive side of the ball we haven't really had that at least not enough I think that changes this year. We're going to be more athletic. We're going to be more experienced. And we just are going to have an influx of talent that's going to allow us to make plays in the backfield and just disrupt what opposing offenses are trying to do. So when you factor in the third-year starter as a quarterback, you factor in an elite offensive line and a more disruptive defense, for those three reasons, I think that we will be better in 2019. Now, does that mean we make the playoff? Does that mean we win a national championship? Who knows? But I think we're going to be good enough – to accomplish all those things. I think we're going to be good enough to win the SEC. I think we're going to be good enough to get to the college playoff, and I think we're going to be good enough to win the national title. you got to have a lot of things go your way, but I do expect us to at least be in contention and to certainly be in the conversation all year long. So we would love to get your thoughts on whether you think we'll be better, worse, or about the same overall in 2019. Where you think we'll be better? Where you think we'll be worse? Where you think we're going to be about the same? Let us know. We love the interaction. We are certainly open to being wrong, and we welcome that conversation. So Hit us up on Twitter at Glory_UJ and we'll continue that conversation on social media. But thanks for listening, guys. You know how much we appreciate each and every one of you guys supporting our show and taking time to listen to us here. We know there's a lot of a lot of options for you guys to check out out there, and it's it's just humbling that any of you take time to listen to our show. We really appreciate that. We try to bring you the best content we can, and uh, hopefully we do at least a decent job of that. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back later next week. Again, if you are not subscribed to us on Podbean, you want access to all of our content throughout the entire summer months here as we prepare for the 2019 season and start to preview that 2019 season. Subscribe today for only $2 a month. I I hope you won't regret it. That's the plan, is to make sure we give you the content that you guys want and deserve. So give it a shot. You get a free week to try it out. And if you don't like it, you can cancel. It's no big deal. But uh, try to price that as low as we could. So if you're not on there yet, go ahead and hop on and... uh, Get on the train as we head closer and closer to the 2019 season. But thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.
0: Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.